now. Keep up the great work on the podcast. You do a very nice job moderating, i.e. herding all the cats and bringing out the best of the ensemble, making us a truly enjoyable hour. Take care and see you soon. Is it like I don't listen to our podcast from start to finish usually. Is there a segment that you record before or after that is you herding cats? Django, it's I've been doing that for like two years. Oh. It's like all I, it's a it's the only video component of the show that we do. <laughs> it's always that like Benny Hill music is that sax and me kind of chasing my cats around my house, moving on to a different spot. <laughs> it's wildly unpopular as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy hurting cats. <laughs> Why do you hurt the cats? They hurt me back. Look at my hands. Yeah. Welcome everyone in to Romans Rumens number three, the only podcast where you know that you are the fourth stomach in the digestion of the comic book thoughts that we've taken in, thought about, and then talked about because you guessed it. This is Jeff and it's a pop culture podcast centered around comic books from the comics place in Bellingham, Washington. Do you hear that? That's enthusiasm. What were you just pointing at me for, Django? I was trying to get Roman to go next because I got a gag. Okay, hey, I'm Jeff. Okay, I'm Roman. I'm Django. You know, oh, I was no. wondering. I was wondering. I thought he was just tapping on imaginary glass in front of him. I wish he was a mime in a <laughs> no, box. Like, I wish that was a bit he played more often. With the format change and being season two and Roman's ruminants, ru- 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 yeah, yeah, ru- the yeah, show that perfect. we're doing now. I know that you guys asked me to stop ending the show with a question, but I thought I would move the question to this part of the show right now. It wasn't um, like an, a request. It was like a professional assertion, like, bam, yeah, this yeah. needs to stop. And it stopped. We're not doing it at the end. And I got. <laughs> I, I was thinking, with four stomachs, at what point, like when I'm done eating... It turns into poop. But if you have four stomachs, when is it poop? Oh, my God. That's exactly the kind of stuff I can't wait for my mom to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, mom, this is my business partner, Django. Do you wonder wonder where, you know, how you think I'm an adult because I co-own a business? It's not. It's not. (laughs) You're so much closer to an adult than me, buddy. Um, it's a 12 year difference as far as I know. Um, I have an email from a legacy, a legacy listener here. Oh, LL. Well, LL well, Wilmer, Wilmer, Wilm. Happy season two, episode three, legacy numbering 254. My brain is fried from a long week and being hypnotized by the peacemaker opening credits dance number <laughs> to come up with a better question this week. So what is your favorite TV show opening credits song or sequence? Thanks for being awesome, Will. P.S. Look, Django, I just made it through an email without mentioning Ted Lasso once. <laughs> Was that a plug for the other show that you guys do? <laughs> oh, we do a great podcast called The Ted Lasso's that everyone should listen to. I'm proud of it. I like. We're it. kind of getting. You, we're getting. We're almost nearing the end of all of the episodes we haven't. Oh, covered, it's going to so. eat its own tail. Luckily, snakes only have one stomach, unless they're on a plane. I have 
two definitive answers <clears throat> for that that I nope, a third one. Um, are you guys have any shortage of intros? Any shortage I've got of some that I love, but I don't think right this moment Will already stole mine. That fucking peacemaker opening is gold. <laughs> yeah, it is gold. It is gold. I will I will say my three. I'm ready. Cowboy Bebop animated intro okay. with the song Tank performed by the seatbelts. Um, the Gungrave anime intro. Uh, I forget what the name of that song is, but that is an anime yeah. that is fantastic. You've heard the song a lot. It's that it's a soundtrack that I play on Tuesdays okay. sometimes. And you're at, you're always like, this is actually pretty good. It's got lots of like strings and horns and like it's not the Cowboy Bebop one. And then uh, the third one, dang it. Oh, uh, the amazing Spider-Man animated television show from like 1994. Oh. And I'll throw in the X-Men one from 92 as well. Those <laughs> you just had those preloaded. Did you read that email beforehand? Is that I never what, do. Is that what we do on this series nope. now? I never <laughs> okay. do, but I intro <laughs> themes are something. Oh, another really good one. The Sopranos one. Mm, woke up this morning. Grab myself a gun. Okay. Uh, I'm, I, I've, got, I've got a couple that I want to say. Is it Breaking Bad? No, but that's an amazing song. Yeah, because it's just kind of tones. Like it's I want, not even... I want a ten minute version of that. Yeah, to walk around to. It. I, I was gonna it. say uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, a great oh, yeah. one! <clears throat> a great uh, one. And The Wire, which oh, has a Tom Waits cover. Every season's a, a different, different one. Artist. Another great one. Jen, you're on um, fire. And then two that I don't know that they're my favorites, but I, I'm very intrigued by them because I think that one begat the next um trailer park boys and always sunny in philadelphia's opening scenes are basically the same mm. and i i would love to have some feedback on that um seinfeld or another great one curb your enthusiasm another great one yep yep wow now we're just flooding one night i was hanging out alone and that song got stuck in my head and I couldn't for the life of me figure out what it was and I had to call Django and sing it to him and be like, what is this song? I think you also know. And you're like, oh, that's the Curve intro song. It's like, oh, thank God. I get it stuck in Erica's head all the time. So it was perfect when you called because I'd forgotten to ruin her brain with it for about a day and a half. And you yeah, you restarted that engine. What about you, hey, Roman? Yeah, do you got any uh, music? Got or do you even- there's so, there's so many of them that you guys mentioned that are great. Um, <clears throat> so I'll try not to do repeats. Uh, Batman the Animated Series. Oh, great one. Isn't that great? Uh, yeah, that is great a one. great one. Oh. Um, and a couple sev- 70s shows, but not the 70s show. Um, <laughs> the Barney Miller theme song, just a great jazz piece. Oh, okay. um, no lyrics. Uh, like Jackety Sax? Sure. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, as much as I do it during random times during the day, oh, the no. Sanford and Son theme song yeah yeah i think i think quincy and i think quincy jones did that that's another another great one i love everyone i don't think we've ever had a question that i've been so in love with all the answers for can i say archer too i don't watch archer i don't know oh it's got a great intro song great great animation on it too uh c lab 2021 <laughs> and, I, and of course, and of course, our new favorite one, you know, Peacemaker. That's fucking Peacemaker. Fucking amazing. Do they change? Do they change from every episode to episode? No, no. It's, it's just, the same one. All it's three. Just funnier every time, man. I like... I, I saw a, a tweet from James Gunn. He was like, he wants people to watch, make sure and watch the intro every time. 
And so I, that made me get okay. some feeling that it was going to change. I have, I have not watched the show yet. I've only watched the first 10 minutes that I got that intro. Maybe it does. But like every time I watch it, I catch something new. Like, oh, that's the dude from the X-Files is a racist asshole dancing <laughs> like a fool. Or it's, that's vigilante in the background. Are you guys loving yeah. Peacemakers? This is, a quick, this is a comic book podcast, and we're going to get into comic stuff here right quick. But uh, I just want to hear, that's a comic-related property. Are you guys liking Peacemaker? Yes. Best thing DC's done so far, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. And John Cena is so funny. Yeah. He is. He is. Suicide yeah, Squad, that whole movie was one of the better ones they've done. Yeah. And Joker. Yeah. I'm really glad that they hit this tone of absurdity and darkness. Like, a long time ago, DC said, we're gonna, we don't need to be funny to be as good as Marvel. And I'm glad that they're backtracking on that a little bit. Like they've is still the, got the dark, but is the shark in it at all? Not yet. Okay. I'm here for the shark. When the shark gets in there, I'll start watching it. <laughs> Didn't he die in that movie? I can't no, remember. no, I would no, have rage quit. I think he made it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You'll like, you'll, you'll love it, Jeff. It's, it's just so fun seeing Cena doing his thing. And, and he's, he's a dummy and an ass, but he's lovable adorable <laughs> yeah he is adorable i really like the arc of his career uh but that's not why we're here to talk everyone we're here to talk about comic books and the books that we're going to be talking about this week are comic books and those comic books are one star squadron number two by mark russell apache sun number one sanford and son number one <laughs> apache delivery service number one we ride titans number one star wars number 20 Rain, number one, and Daredevil Woman Without Fear, number one. D-D-W-M-W-O-F, Octothorpe, number one. Octothorpe one. I like it. I like it. It's a good rundown of things. So Shortcut to say that. Let's get, uh, it's way short, way shorter. <laughs> um, let's get right to the meat of this whole bacon sandwich here. Get that, you know, if this was a club, I don't need that extra piece of bread in there. Take it out. But I would be eating everything else. One Star Squadron. Yeah, Mark Russell, Steve Liebert, and Dave Stewart, probably. Um, I read this without a ton of time left in my stack of comics, thinking that I couldn't possibly be the guy that didn't read a Mark Russell comic book that Roman <laughs> and Django both read and loved and just have to sit here and be like, well, I don't know what that is. And so it was hard I, to take the nose whistles out. And then I... Uh, and then we all did our round robin of picking books for the week and nobody had picked this. And I thought, I I'll, I guess I'm going to do it. You're also going to hear buckshots, everybody. Um, this follows that I was a little bit, it's similar to something Roman had mentioned about kind of having a hard time remembering Righteous Thirst for Vengeance number two this week. I had, a, I had to kind of reassess about what the first issue of this book was. There's been a lot of Mark Russell stuff lately. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always great, but it always... Um, can have some sort of overlap in tone or uh, theory in it or something. So I, I can kind of confuse those, which one is trying to say which thing. But uh, obviously, f- from Jeff's standpoint, I really liked the kind of take on this one of somebody getting addicted to drugs because of the government and then the government kind of shipping them out and no longer supplying them with this thing and then them needing to be resorting to buying drugs off the street and just the hassle that that is and the fear that that is and the amount of getting ripped off that you're going to do by all of that. But uh, just, uh, you know, just a little bit, a little resonation with me. Not that I do drugs and I don't think anybody else should do drugs, but I do also the main character, well, not the main character, but the guy who's dealing drugs, just, uh, hey, bro, T-Bag got what you want. Hey, bro, T-Bag's got what you're looking for. God, I should have learned how to fly a helicopter. Trevor, I should have. I, just... Um, 
Some pretty funny stuff, but we get uh, the Minutemen in here whose power apparently is that once he takes these pills, he can have like the superpower, Superman superpowers, but only for one minute. And I didn't know anything about this character, and I bet other people do, but he's got to go to a terrible child's birthday party. And then he, the drugs he buys are weak versions of the drugs because he's buying them off the street and you never know who they're coming from. And then you get a Mark Russell cameo from the man himself in here at a comic convention and he's <laughs> into sneaking into vip rooms and stealing stacks that he's not supposed to be stealing and uh this is just sort of a return to the form for mark russell for me i do really like his body of work um, but he's been doing a lot more like ahoy comic stuff and stuff that's just not tied to properties and i think that's really good and i think in a lot of people's eyes that could be absolutely better than this stuff but i always really like when his stuff is kind of anchored in a property whether it be like the Wonder mm-hmm. Twins or the Flintstones or Snagglepuss, like ones where he's kind of um, he not not un not that he's filtered in in anything, but um, when he's kind of like restrained by a little bit of pre-existing continuity or character work that's been done. So I, I liked that a lot in this issue. What did you guys think about this one? I thought it was really funny um, and just like one one of my favorite little gags in here. And I, I'm sure it's on purpose because Steve drew it. But when they're at the comic convention and it's Mark Russell and Steve Lieber next to each other, Mark has a big sign that says Mark Russell and Steve is just kind of standing there. I didn't pizza. even like realize he that that was him, but I'm looking at it and it's obviously Steve. Yeah, he's just standing yeah. next to him eating <laughs> pizza with no of his own. Yeah, he, doesn't have, no he has banner. a tiny little thing, but no banner. <laughs> he's clearly supposed to be there with Mark, but like all of the comics that they're advertising are not books that Steve worked on. Oh, um. that's rad. <laughs> Poor Steve Lieber, but what a great sense of humor he has. And he's a hugely <laughs> humble man. Like I, we adore him, so. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, this uh, he's just so good at body language. And uh, I, I love I love the expressions that, that he's got in there. And the, the part where the miracle miracle pills run out right after the guys at the kid's birthday party and he gives them all a box of hammers and says, throw hammers at me for the next 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I and I, I like. I like this exploration of Red Tornado, who is just like kind of a chronically underused character that's just mm-hmm. got some serious roles when he shows up in like, you know, the Lightning Saga and Jeff John's work and whatnot. But this is just such a, you know, poor, poor Red Tornado running this organization. We love you, <laughs> bud. <laughs> Roman, did you like uh, Plastic Man's line? I got free vitamin water. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was also like, oh, Plastic Man has a line in this issue. Sweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I would say nary a banana in sight, but you know, hmm. we're interesting. Yeah, and I, you know, I Steve. I love the. I'm pretty sure that I haven't looked it up, but I think Minuteman was created for this series. I think. Oh, he's really? Part, he's part of the overall joke because he gets his powers from this from a knockoff version of Our Man's pill that he created to give himself powers for an hour. Okay, I don't know enough about <laughs> our man, but that's what I needed. That's the linchpin, Roman, the king of yeah. continuity. At, Thank at you. Least, yeah, I've never heard of Minuteman before this series. So I guess I was just maybe I was just sort of thinking of Watchmen, the Minutemen. Oh, I, I right. just didn't really process it all below the fact that those words reminded me of a thing that existed. But we we call what, that Roman's continuity cut. <laughs> yeah, one, one of my favorite things in this series is the uh, is GI robot since he was a Vietnam character. Vietnam War character um, that every issue he's kind of just in the background trying these different jobs and this <laughs> he's got a bad tube trying to be an office drone and but he always keeps on mentioning how many ki- humans he's killed. 
it's uh rowan's continuity cud because he digests all of it and it gets stuck in the third tummy which is why you dear listeners never get to inherit the cud knowledge of continuity from roman because he's plugging up that third tummy and you're just getting the the waste oh i think i think i hurt my roman (laughs) (laughs) roman who's the who's the guy that looks like a carpet with his face stapled to him like a geometric carpet he's he's got like uh an infinity symbol I don't know every issue I mean to look him up and I, cause I can't remember who he is. It's some angle guy, but it's not angle man. Cause that's a different wonder woman villain. Okay. But something to do with angles. <laughs> well, I love that the, the real drama in here is the coup that power girl has been planning for two issues. Like this is, this is something that was kind of flying under the radar until this, the end of this issue. Yeah. I poured God. myself a little bit more of a drink and, and muted my computer wow. when I did it. <laughs> I, I tried to mute, out. but it, it was on the browser and it tried to autofill a whole page instead. Um, <laughs> is, your, is your rumen okay? <laughs> I popped I a just rumen. squirted my rumen out the fourth <laughs> stomach. I popped Sorry, a roomie. Listener. Popped a roomie. Um, it's an, it was an internal roomie and now I'm going to not be able to sit down for a week. Howdy, I, Rumi. The uh, yeah, the Power Girl thing was alluded to near the end of the first issue, mm-hmm. and I forget it was the first issue of the series where like somebody had forgotten their memory and like went back to like find a girl and like didn't they pretended that it hadn't been him. They're like, no, I don't. You're in the wrong spot, but it actually was the person he was looking for. Right? Wasn't that like the Mark Russell sadness hidden? In, and I just couldn't remember if that was Minutemen or Man or what. Or if I was thinking of a different Marvel Mark Russell book. This book, we got this book a week late, which means it's been almost six weeks since I read that first one. Okay. I'm sorry, Mark. And I'm sorry, Jeff. Well, we read all of... I'm sorry, dear listener. We read all of the Mark Russell books and and they all have a wonderful, (laughs) unique tone. But when trying to remember the nuanced kind of bit of really nice slice of humanity, sadness stuff that pops up, it it can be tricky to remember who it is because it's so character focused often. So I could could be mistaken. It's good stuff though. It's good stuff. I gave it a score. I'm curious what your scores were. I wrote them down and then I'll be filling them out on our Comics Place website. Uh, We have an item inventory where we'll be able to be tracking all of our scores as we talk about them. And I'm going to be making it a weekly practice to be doing that. And so you can get on our website and look up items, I believe. Yeah. And uh, and you'll be able to see the scores that people have given them on the podcast. (laughs) And we should be backfilling Andrew's amazing database at some point. Yeah. Um, I would give this one uh, an eight. I gave it a nine. I also gave it a nine. Nice. And I just, I liked, again, it was just um, that thing that Mark Russell has done so, so perfectly, which is take some characters like the Flintstones and then kind of take an idea of just like kind of drug addiction or reliance on a drug and then needing to move between the channels of that and the fallout of that. And like the dude's like, I don't know who I got, you know, like I got this from somebody, but they didn't know who they got that from. And you don't know me and you got it from me. Like, you know, so yeah, sometimes you get shitty drugs. That's just what happens. You know, (laughs) I don't think this ecstasy is ecstasy. I think it's baking powder and really bad cocaine. (laughs) You know, one of the things that cracks me up when I read these issues of one star squadron is it always pops in my head. I'm, I'm a member of a Facebook group where it's devoted to the justice society and other characters of that era. And there's some guys after the first issue came out, especially there was some guys in there that are all complaining. Cause they're like, well, red Tornado's not a, not a whip character. And why is power girl there? She's not a, like a one-star low level character. Cause they just totally didn't get the joke and they're all whining about it. So now every time I read an issue, I, I kind of hear those guys's 
mm. real complaints and fake complaints in my head in the background that just adds to the the humor of it all. This is going to be like an 8.66 star book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, we're going to talk about a book that I'm really excited about now. And it, it seemed like it didn't have, I think the, the last minute orders for it had increased it. So stores had their orders allocated. And I'm really happy to have, because they did a second print like a week or two before this one even came out that hasn't come out yet. But um, I'm really excited to see that. I believe all of our orders for it came in and it's Apache Delivery Service, number one by Matt Kent, Tyler Jenkins and Hillary Jenkins. That creative team sounds familiar. It's because Grass Kings were Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins, as well mm-hmm. as um, the Black Badge. Black Badge, yeah. And then I can't remember if uh, Bang was, I don't think Bang was Tyler Jenkins. No. Because um, Tyler Jenkins did maybe some- Maybe Wilfredo Torres. Uh, maybe King of Nowhere while that was coming out. But um, <laughs> anyway, these two are back together. Really one of my favorite creative teams out there. I really like Matt Kent's writing and Tyler Jenkins' art, but there's something about when the two of them work together that I absolutely love. But this one kind of is a dual narrative with this individual who's a Native American and he is with his father and they're out hunting and his father is teaching him how to hunt, presumably his father, and he's sort of showing him how to kill a deer. And then all of a sudden it jumps to him in 1967 in Vietnam. And he's somebody that spends his time alone identifying where the Viet Cong are and then sending those coordinates to Vietnam or sorry, uh, the U.S. Army men. And they drop bombs on it. And he kind of has this self-loathing loathing thing. And they keep referring to him as like, that's our own Apache and everything. You learn halfway through it. He's like, I'm I'm Navajo. Like, that's that's offensive. And. He's like, well, you need to take a break. And but as these things are happening, kind of keeps cutting back to this hunting trip that he took with his father. Uh, where you know, sort of like bits like uh, you know, make a pine needle bed to lift the deer off the ground to offer his spirit respect. And then you know, that's juxtaposed with him having to give these coordinates as these people are dropping bombs on these people who are you know innocent. And he kind of gets lost at one point and falls into a trap and gets knocked out after finding this weird dead body. And we find out that there is some sort of like secret murderer in the forests of Vietnam who is killing soldiers and staking their bodies like from their ass to their mouth and they're finding these bodies. Um, And we don't know who that is genuinely. And then our main character gets captured by this person who says he wants his help finding uh, a treasure that's out there. I forget what kind of treasure it is. Nazi gold. Nazi gold. And so now he's going to try and get his help to go do this. But it's sort of this really interesting confluence of like vietnam war stuff and then also like native american culture which i'm fascinated and have a deep respect and love for and then kind of the way that those two things are getting smashed together in vietnam which is always an interesting thing for me so roman i think that you would really really like this book we got our diamond books in way late this week just like two days ago so django brought a handful of them by and this is what i've been looking forward to for a while and it was, I think, my favorite book of the week, actually. It's it reminded me of oh. yeah, aspects of Lost Soldiers, but then also aspects of, you know, not Grass Kings, but I don't know, something I guess must be just like the writing and art combination that kind of gives you this feeling that you're in a place and time that is so removed from a culture that is familiar to your own. And I, I really like that. I really admire it. And I, I, I really think you're going to like it, Roman. Lots this, of silent panels to just sort of breathe things in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's muggy when yeah. you're breathing them in. 
Um, do you think that the, his captain, Captain Ford, he looks a lot like the cop from... Uh, I totally agree, Grass Kings. Grass Kings. So I wonder yeah. if if he's a brother or a, a uncle or something of those guys. I guess they have done some amount of work to kind of just mention their other works in their works. And Bang yeah. was the thing that was kind of tying it all together. But yeah, that's, that's a great <clears> point. That totally visually occurred to me, but I forgot about that thing. And there's some really nice pages where like he's he's leaving the army camp to go track down some more Viet Cong. And like, he just kind of casually walks past a post with some ears strung up on it. And like, yeah, the next page is him or his, him and his dad gutting the deer and he's throwing up cause it's so gross. And like two pages before somebody made fun of him for like, Hey, have you, have you collected any scalps yet? And just like, there's, there's three things going on there. He's noticing that the, the rest of the soldiers are being way more brutal than he is with the cutting off of the ears. And it's showing how he's hardened since he was a kid, unable to even dress a deer. Now he's just like walking past this post of severed ears without, without comment, you know? But I also think that, yeah, I totally agree to him being hardened because he's not throwing up by seeing that. But I also think there's a larger thing there, which is him just ideologically separating himself from the people he's there with and you know he gets a there's a line of dialogue in here from his dad it says a well-skinned hide should have everything intact it's a sign you know and this is them doing the absolute antithesis of that and Mm -hmm. not scalping which is clearly the opposite of what his dad would have taught him so it also like consistently shows this sort of disrespect that the american people had uh towards native americans but also you know the the idea of a native american american you know soldier native american soldier for the u.s in vietnam kind of doing to vietnam what had been done to the indigenous people here in america is you know it's just a really complex coming together of ideas and i I really like it and it's very different in tone from the stuff that they've done in the past because it's there's a brutal realism to it well and so here's here's something that i just googled because i wasn't sure um, if, if this was part of the conversation he's having, uh, the Navajo didn't scalp people at all. Um, which, which is that that's what you were just saying about the the deer, right? Yeah. And why he wouldn't like what he would see ears torn off, but that's not how he shows respect to, you know, the dead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wild. And Um, the bomb that he calls in, he gives the, the, you know, the points of latitude and longitude to the, the people and they, fly off with this plane and they drop these bombs and they say apache delivery service on them which is Mm -hmm. just even more this horrible sign of disrespect to him you know um yeah just throw it up throw it up i would imagine don't they call it that because they're apache helicopters that are they're dropped from uh well they're actually jets that drop jet oh um but a great point that that idea didn't even occur to me uh which is also that usage of that word that exists yeah though that's still that's still like adds to that level because i think the american military does have a tradition of naming uh planes and helicopters and maybe other vehicles after indigenous american tribes and people yeah <laughs> even though we disrespect them yeah and, i mean you know, the, it is an act of disrespect it sort of yeah. boils a culture down to an act of violence yeah or some it's another form of another form of appropriation but they didn't name it the apache helicopter until 1981 apparently Oh, really? sorry. Wow. I'm, all, I'm all googly tonight, guys. That's that's fascinating. You know, yeah. and this is uh, I just have nearing the end of watching a 10 part documentary series on the 1960s. So I, I kind of, again, am back in this mindset of this particular time period. So uh, really 
great storytelling in the way that it jumps between the two kind of moments of this person's life, this moment in 63 of him with his father and this 67 when he's in Vietnam. And um, I, I think it's incredibly well told and thoughtful and uh, just the kind of stuff that I, I always feel like Roman and I have a really heavy overlap on. So I give it a 9.5. I'm also going to give it a 9.5. And I want to, I want to mention that the art is a little more stylized than I think Tyler Jenkins usually is. A little cleaner, right? A little less sketchy, lines, less yeah. watercolor art for sure. But I can't remember when yeah. I know Grass Kings, he was doing his own coloring and then Hillary came in for the second half. And I forget mm -hmm. kind of which style of that was which one of the two of them. Yeah, I wonder if it's the colors. I, I think I think he's just kind of got a, a slightly simplified system here. And I, yeah. I really like it. It just simplified is a good word for it. Just, too. just a, like it, it stood out to me as not quite the Tyler Jenkins that I grew up loving ever since Snowblind. Yeah, I still mm. never read that. But yeah, yeah. so two 9.5s from us. That's a pretty dang high score. And I can't wait to hear Roman's thoughts when he inevitably reads it here before too long. Yeah, I'm excited to read it. I didn't realize it was the Grass Kings team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember being excited for it when I ordered it for that. And then when I saw it coming on the invoice, I was like, I only remember that this book was allocated and I don't remember why <laughs> it's staying out of my mind. And then when Django dropped it off, I remembered. Um, let's deal, let's talk, let's dip in for a second on a book that uh, Roman brought to the old table here. Let's talk about Star Wars number 20. I love uh, just checking in on the Star Wars world. We've got the book of Boba Fett coming out right now. And uh, we won't be spoiling that probably but we will be spoiling these comics which is a warning i should have thrown up earlier um oh, yeah. but roman what's yeah when you're actually better at remembering that than anybody but roman what's the deal with star wars number 20 right now how's oh. that run been going what is the creative team what's the arc of this whole run been oh it's so great because every the beginning of every issue they do a musical number and, and <laughs> oh <laughs> they do a whole dance a dance routine um the whole arc of this has been lately that, uh, um, oh man, <laughs> Luke is still out, out and trying to gather any information he can find about um, the Jedi, because, you know, he's, this is after return, so he's learned what he can from Yoda, and then Yoda croaked, so he's still trying to find his way. Um, and this particular arc, he's, he, that, what? So this, is, this is after Jedi? That's how Yoda says redeep. You can ignore him. This is after Jedi. Because <laughs> um, Yoda's yeah. dead. Okay. But okay. yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this issue actually, and the reason I liked it so much, because the previous issue, uh, Luke found an uh, artifact, a holocron that has a recording of Yoda just, and it seems to be directed directly to Luke. And it's just Yoda giving him more teachings. So he goes to this planet that has a him and R2 go to this planet that apparently has some some more Jedi artifacts or knowledge hidden in the planet. <clears throat> and, it, and, you know, he, he, he can't land on this planet. It's the whole surface is covered in mushrooms, big old, big, big old fungi. And he and he's Luke's tries start trying to walk across gingerly across the mushrooms. And he, of course, sinks in and gets sucked into this thing. And then it goes into this whole uh, force Jedi um, psychedelic vision quest thing. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> something I'd like. Yeah, I think you would. And, and like, you know, there's close up his eyes, his eyes roll back in his head. And then he starts talking to this. It's not a force ghost, but essentially it is this master Jedi he's never heard of before that's in the essence of this mushroom planet. 
Whoa. Nice. Yeah. And this guy, he's Jedi Master Elzar Mann, which, yeah, I don't know if that's a character that's been around before or not. But Master Roman, Shinium. can I just say what that makes me think of? Is like, what, what does it make you think of? Well, like mushroom mycelium are these giant like colonies that I think I remember hearing that the largest living thing in the world is a fungus colony that extends from like the upper area of the Pacific Northwest, like down through Oregon and stuff. It's like, you know, mycelium. And so it's like, you know, people will take mushrooms and they kind of will really get in touch with this idea of a collective unconscious because it really is like a life form that's connected to all these other different life forms. But the idea that it could be this enormous life form and also a Jedi like that idea is because like, why could, if it's a life form, it could be a Jedi and it could be a planet sized mm. mycelium <laughs> column. Like that's super cool. If mushrooms are yeah. into Star Wars instead of Star Trek, I think it, the debate is over. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know which one's better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't have a whole lot of detail to go into here. It's just a really cool issue because it gets back. It gets, it's one of those stories that gets in that I love most about luke skywalker and the force the mystical weird kind of psychedelic thing that's why oh i forget the name now this one of my favorite star wars movies is the one where they find luke on the the irish island and mm. old luke and all that because it's it's mystical force mumbo jumbo and i love that yeah and that's what this issue was is and luke learns a bunch of stuff and at the end there's kind of a a horror scene vision but where this skeleton gives him this mystical tome that's more more jedi teachings and he pops out of the mushroom stuff and r2 like gets him back on the ship and he's got the book and he's like like if you're asking about the book r2 i think it's an invitation to be continued <laughs> mm, that's some classic comic booking right there yeah yeah i, I love it <laughs> that seems to tie also right into kind of i i, I think i'm on record as not necessarily always being drawn to the extended star wars universe stuff but that's close enough to those main kind of i love any of the trilogies even the newest ones and you know i haven't watched the prequels in a while but i don't think i hate them as much as i think i do mm. um <laughs> but uh that seems close enough to any one of those three trilogies to like kind of make me dig it rather than being totally new characters out in a totally new space doing totally unrelated adventures yeah yeah who drew it um, and who wrote it uh charles soleil wrote it as he's been doing a lot of star wars yeah. stuff and uh is he i, I don't know and marco castillo is the Ooh, artist castillo. a frenchman and an italian mm. interesting i love it star wars is a universal concept what do you give it my dear friends um i gave it i gave it a nine nice Good call. I'm glad you brought that one to the table. I do think, I genuinely think our listeners, like I've heard Will even say, you know, it's awesome to, and Nathan, to just sort of hear people check in with books that they've been reading for a long time that we don't mention. We talk about a lot of number ones, twos, and threes on here, but just those things that we've all been chugging along with that we don't necessarily always talk about. I, th I think it's really cool yeah. to hear that stuff. Yeah, and it's both the main Star Wars title, and as I've said before, and Darth Vader are still just really solid books. Do you remember is, offhand who's doing the Vader one? Is that Greg Pak? Or is it Charles Souffle again? Mm. It might be. It might be Souffle. It might be Pack. You got to be careful. He can get pretty big in his ideas and then collapse in on itself at the last minute. Just kind of full uh, of nothing. Yeah. Souffle humor. <laughs> um, souffle gagging Django we have two books that we ranked pretty highly this week that Roman didn't read which one would you like to go into first we ride Titans or Rain let's let's talk about we, we ride Titans oh yeah let's I really build, let's build up I really like this book and Rain the next one that we'll talk about so Roman Did sorry to write? put you in 
Do back. they ride Titans from the from the anime and the manga? No, they're riding oh. those uh, the comic books from Titan Press. Oh, they're on um, like issues of Blade Runner and stuff. <laughs> uh, we ride Titans is written by Tress Dean, art by Sebastian Perez, color is D. Cunefay. Jim Campbell on letters is a vault comic series. I really quite enjoyed this issue and the next book that we're going to talk about. And uh, this one follow, I guess the kind of umbrella pitch of this is that it's in the future or maybe even it's not earth. I'm not sure, but there's large cities and this large city has been protected by a singular family for a very, very long time. And they pilot a thing called a Titan sounds like maybe all existing cities might have a Titan Mm -hmm. and its job is to protect the city from Kaiju who show up. And we start this with an enormous Kaiju fighting this Titan and the dude who's been piling it, smoking a cigarette and pretty clearly drunk fucks up, destroys a bunch of the town and they have to call his sister and recruit her. And she has, so has her mom show up and um, she's married to another woman who's never met the mom before. And I really, really liked the relationship between those two female protagonists, the way that it was yep. written in here. Um, I thought it was just really well done and very human. And I thought the way that this, the lead protagonist interacted with the mom was superhuman, but she has to go ultimately to the heart of the town where it seems like she's generally lived on the outskirts and she's going to be helping to pilot this Titan in the space of her brother where they're trying to get him some some help yeah it's it's super like it it i guess it opens with an action scene which didn't surprise me at all that's kind of what i expected from the whole book and then it sort of puts the clutch in and we get i don't know a solid 10 or 15 pages of talking heads talking heads but but really believable relationships when the mom shows up to talk to her daughter it's like neither of them is acting on a level 10. They're they're both having a real human conversation and like a seven mad at each other. And we don't always see that with comics. Um, there's a lot of shortcuts in, in comics and this didn't seem to take any of those. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, while it's a lot of talking heads, it is not a laborious amount of dialogue. Like they rely <laughs> a lot on body language. They rely a lot on facial expression um, yeah. and calm moments. So, you know, I'm like, I, I love that. I love dialogue, but I also love, you know, allowing the story to become very much my own in my own interpretation of facial interaction and, and the art. Uh, I, I, you know, I think that we've kind of talked about like vault and boom can kind of have like housey art styles. And I think mm-hmm. that this art is a little bit that, but a little, like, I think it's generally better. I think it's one step closer to an image book than a lot of vault stuff would be. There, there was a point where I, I looked at the, inside cover to see if it was uh Araho oh. drawing it because just like the, the level of detail and, and something about the I don't know not really the line weight but something about it made me think this this could be Araho well yeah I think the facial expressions are pretty great in the way that Araho's expressions are can be pretty phenomenal and there's like a there's a really nice overhead shot of a building where, where she parks her car in front of the building and it shows the stairs leading up yeah. to the building and it's like half wheelchair ramp and half stairs. And I, first of all, I really like that kind of industrial design aspect. But then we find out that her dad is in a wheelchair or a hover chair or something. And, and but just having that overhead shot as part of part of the world building, I thought was really good. And that the shot of the, the Kaiju and the Titan fighting on her drive there. Yeah, it was really nice. And she's just kind of driving through 
driving through the neighborhood and, and there's that thing happening. Yeah. And I, I do think that they, really good. yeah, I thought it was really good. I think that there was a lot of world building that is inferred and not thrown on you. Like, I think you get mm-hmm. a really f- strong feel for the expectations of the family and the culture and the invasion, like the invasive nature of Kaiju within it. So my only complaint, which is not a complaint, but I, because I'm an anime and manga fan, I've seen a lot of mechs and a lot of human piloted mechs, and I'm not super impressed with this mech design. <laughs> it's uh, pretty. Maybe it's not farther far enough in the future for you. <laughs> yeah, it's just not. It's very. It's you know, it's only one step further than like Ripley's mech from Alien or mm-hmm. Aliens or whichever one that is. Like it's just it's bigger, but it's uh, you know, it's not like I've seen Gundams. Give me a fucking Gundam for a comic that really only has five people in it they do a lot yeah and you feel like you know the world quite a bit that's that, that's a yeah. good point yeah I uh I gave it an 8.5 which for a vault book like vault always does interesting stuff some it's, it's well it's almost always pretty interesting and sometimes the storytelling and the art totally set itself apart something like resonant uh, is a book that comes to mind off the top of my head. This mm-hmm. one is right there for me. I would put it in the top five, probably vault number ones I've read to date. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a nine. I, I th- th- so the one thing I couldn't tell is if we're headed towards like because uh, because the main protagonist is gay, and I couldn't quite tell if we're headed towards like some sort of conflict with her parents or if their falling out was of a different nature. It wasn't, it wasn't super clear. The falling and out between the two females or her and her parents? Her and her parents. Because like her partner has never met her mom. Right. Yeah. And I like the way that they express that. Yeah. I, that's a good question. We don't necessarily know what the falling out is about outside of maybe her just not being on board with this whole thing. You know, it reminded yeah. me a bit of Neon Genesis Evangelion with Shinji just not mm. wanting to pilot mm. a mech. Uh, and the next issue's cover has yeah, the brother good. driving the mech with with a bottle of whiskey in his hand. Well, like, it's the lady as, driving it and the man's down in front with some he's, whiskey. He's pretending and the whiskey okay, is yeah. like the handle for yeah, the robot. Yeah. 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 It's a good Sorry, story. I don't call them Titans. I call them robots. I think that um, robots. that book, uh, which I gave an 8.5, did you say your score? Nine. Nine. I think uh, the relationship between those two female protagonists uh, was so well written and the next book we're talking about, well, no, yeah, let's talk about this one just right off the bat. Here, Hell yeah. Um, is Rain number one. And technically, this is, Joe Hill's Rain number yeah. one. But this is another two female protagonists in a relationship. And I just think that it's some of the best written, best represented in a comic. Personally, mm-hmm. uh, I I loved it. It was so pure and beautiful and didn't beat you over the head with anything. And there was no agenda. It was just so uh, natural. This one is Joe Hills. I want to point out art is by Zoe Thorogood. And this is a name that I have not been able to escape every day for like three weeks. So I finally... I used I usually use Twitter only to be following my football news. For some reason, I got logged out of my Twitter. I had to sign back in, and it would only be showing me my primary account and not my football news one. So it's a bunch of comic news now and football news. And every time I get on, the top pinned thing is like Zoe Thorogoods, whatever. Um, so I finally had to just silence her name because she's an amazing artist. But I just yeah. was like, I can't keep hearing about you. Uh, and she's I was got wrong. A noir. No, I got sorry. Uh, she's got a. 
a book that she wrote and drew just recently that was published and just like good for her. And she did an issue of Ha Ha and her, I love her art, but I was just oh, sort yeah. of finally just like, I cannot keep hearing about this beautiful, incredible woman and all of her amazing comic book art, like that I can't get a hold of. And every pinned tweet is referencing her art. So I think she's about to really blow up on the scene. Yeah. This, this is the one that I thought might be Araho. There, there were a couple of faces that made me think that okay. I was lying before. Well, tell us about this one. I, I love this one. It's so apparently this is from a novel by Joe Hill and it's adapted by David M. Booher. Um, and it, it just has kind of a slow start. It's just a, a woman coming home and waiting for her girlfriend to arrive because she's moving in from another town. And she's talking about how much she likes this, her girlfriend, Yolanda. And, uh, and you meet a bunch of the neighbors and you get like a lot of detail about her neighbor who's like a pretty pretty nice guy but sort of casually homophobic and you meet her his uh or her her downstairs neighbor who is uh a russian woman whose name last name she can't pronounce and you meet the weird cult next door and the little kid who's always inside cuz he's he's a little bit sick and you spend a lot of time getting introduced to the neighborhood and then it rains crystal spikes and kills pretty much everybody that you just hung out with for a full issue. And it's heartbreaking when they showed they're in Boulder and they show the giraffes at the zoo got hit. And I was like, fuck. So that that's my favorite animal. They like, as you're meeting all these people, there's this horrible foreboding about like, yeah, they were outside when the rain struck and they found her body and she was covered head to toe in pins like an acupuncture mm -hmm. doll and you don't understand what this is or why this is and they keep foreboding like like oh this boy yeah he survived the rain because he has an immunodeficiency and can't be out in the sun and then there's you know the crash and a rainstorm and you know like this girl's parents she had come out to and they basically disowned her but her girlfriend's parents were like yeah we'll be your you know you're like fill-in parent your second chance parents that you know will actually love you and she unload some stuff into the house and the rain starts. And for whatever reason, it's all diamond crystals or ice, not ice crystals, but like glass. I don't know. It just says crystals. Yeah. But there are all these horrible spikes and they violently aggressively rain down. And they're like, it rained for like just over eight minutes. And they give the number of people that died in the storm. And they like, yeah, it's like, you know, they're like one every 16 seconds or it was like 16 every one second. Or, yeah there you go yeah and there's the shots <clears> of the death and as i'm flipping through it yeah i can totally see some araujo in this um and it's devastating because like you come to love both of these two characters and their love is so believable mm -hmm. and well written and represented and just the the foreboding nature of everything in it so just between the writing and the art it's devastating and beautiful this is an image comic i don't know how long it's going to be the cover is great everything about it is really really good i i've loved this book i mean if it's if it's trying to cover a whole novel it's got to be a, a dozen issues right i hope so I, hope. I was hoping it wasn't just like a short story that was going to be a one shot they sure took their time with this part yeah like this 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 was yeah super well paced and like yep. you said the art is the art is gorgeous and yes. the backup is pretty good too. It's uh, Chris Ryle and Ashley Wood, and man, Ashley Wood can draw some gross stuff. And it seems like it's from what I, the impression I got. It's this is a new imprint within Image that's been created, uh, started by Ashley Wood. Zizigy. Yeah, and it's the Sizigy. Sizigy. Um, great scra Scrabble word. Yeah. So I think get excited to look for stuff from this. Get excited to look for stuff from 
uh, Zoe Thorogood and Joe Hill is, you know, Joe Hill. I hate to say, I, I hate to qualify anything by him being Stephen King's son, but I like his career as much as his father. So I said nine before I'm going to go 9.5 on this one. I'm not sure if they have one stomach or 30. That's true. But I'm going to give it a gooey duck. Oh, I love it. I don't, I don't <laughs> think there's a single thing I would want to change about this comic. Yeah, it's it's perfect, and and they're all so gorgeous. And one of the main character looks a lot like a subscriber of ours. We won't name, but I'm sure that that occurred oh, yeah. to you as well. Yeah. Um. But uh, did the two of you read uh, Daredevil Woman Without Fear? Sure did. I just yep. forgot to grab it. I I can't wait to hear this. This is this is Chip Zdarsky, right? This is continuing elements of his run as Devil's Reign is coming out. Yep. And we've got um, Wilson Fisk. Uh, as mayor and he has some sort of dossier on uh, all of his enemies and uh, that includes Matt Murdock and Electra and so we get to follow Electra as she tries to meet up with the person that Fisk gave his dossier to I think that's right Roman I don't have it in front of me I read uh, it that, that was the first book I read this week but I think that I think that's right yeah that, that was I'm impressed. Good summation for not having it in front of you because I've got it in front of me and I didn't remember all that. <laughs> <laughs> I got a mind like a steel trap. Sometimes you can't get anything out of it. It rusted. <laughs> Sometimes you can't get it to stop doing the same thing that's already accomplished over and over again for years. Trap, trap, trap. Did you, did you as a little aside here, did you guys both finish the Hawkeye series on Disney Plus? No. Yes. Oh, okay. but I know about the spoilers and possible related character that appears in that that is in this. And I'm not worried about spoilers if we want to warn oh, okay. our listeners. No, that's just, yeah. Spoilers for anybody. Weeks. Yeah, it's been three weeks. And I was just, you know, I was just thrilled that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, how's that? Yeah, yeah. Shows up as the, as the, as our beloved Kingpin. Is that different than Vincent D'Onofra? Yep. Okay. That was a lounge singer. <laughs> I, think he was in Good, I think he was in Goodfellas. <laughs> So Roman, uh, uh-huh. I haven't been reading Daredevil. I think I missed an issue around number six or eight or 12 and I fell off and never got back on the red blind horse. <laughs> uh, well, Matt Murdock's, oh God, where, I don't know his, where you were. His he's brother a... was pretending to be him so that Daredevil could be in jail. Is that right? Yeah, he's out of jail now. His brother is still like we saw in this issue his brother is still apparently in matt's apartment and still pretending to be matt because i think people think matt is dead or just disappeared or something okay yeah which is why you know when he was in prison that's why electra started being daredevil um but now matt's in his daredevil costume this issue and though him and electra are both daredeviling around the city and this one sends electra back to the school that she met matt at right yeah. And yeah, so we're getting flashbacks of the olden, the, like the good old days. And then she's meeting up with people at the school. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of interesting. I like, and I like the flash. I always like flashbacks to training with stick and we get some flashbacks <laughs> even younger when she was like 12 or something and training with stick, the same guy that trained Daredevil. Man, what if stick trained Batman? That'd be rad. I bet he did. I bet he did too. <laughs> Uh, and we meet a new character in this issue. What is her name? Syzygy? <laughs> yeah, she publishes comics. Um, <laughs> oh, nice Roman you remembered. Uh, what is her name? Because I'm Roman's flipping... remembering. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you say her name. Um, it's spelled A-K-A. Is that a ka? A-ka? I don't sure. know. <laughs> You're also known as? 
Aiken. Yeah. <laughs> and she represents the hand. You know, mm-hmm. Electra is at one point, Electra was in charge of the hand at some point. Um, and I don't know. You know, it's funny. I still call me an old fuddy duddy, but <laughs> we do. I, <laughs> and I love it. Um, I still feel like Electra, her best her best period was when Frank Miller introduced her and then and then killed her the end. Yeah. And since then, I really haven't cared about Electra. And I still, I mean, this was a well-written story and interesting things happen. And I still don't really care about Electra as a character, just supporting her own book. Listen, if that's what makes you a fuddy-duddy, pass the Worthers. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you as well. I didn't read this issue, but I, I totally agree. I think that like, you know, her moral ambiguity, is she a bad person? Is she a good person? Does she like Matt? Do they love each other? Are they estranged? Like, it's always seems to be something else. And I can never really, I just, some sort of... I just always feel like I am not able to stand on my firm two feet when she's around. Yeah, I thought this was that, a good issue, though. It was a pretty good issue. I mean, yeah, there's more of that. And, and now she's like against her, her own oh wishes she's still very much in love with matt and Mm -hmm. they're fooling around and stuff and do you see any of the fooling you do there's a naughty scene i mean not super naughty because this still this isn't a black label book but um, plus marvel comic yeah yeah um but yeah i still kind of feel the same like you know i like letra as a supporting character i like her so much better when she's dead Whoa. <laughs> that was such a great storyline and such a great death i just i wish they hadn't brought her back i'm glad they let him do it though right yeah that's true at least yeah. they let miller do it the, you know the first time um well what do you what do you give this a and b do you think that fisk is going to try to become president of the marvel universe and do you think he will oh yeah he's definitely um building up to run for president in the marvel universe devil's I, reign's been doing hmm. that yeah, yeah, Devil's Reign. Oh, I mean, I like I said, I dropped off. Oh, maybe. I mean, maybe he will. I kind of hope he doesn't because DC already did that with Lex Luthor as president. Yeah, one bald president per universe, guys. Yeah, yeah. So can I, you remind me when that was, Roman? What President Luthor? What when was that? Oh, geez, early two thousands, maybe. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure. Was so, twenty ten ish. Though I will say, if Kingpin becomes president, I think it'll be uh, better written in general. Than Luther's presidency, I think I think they'll really explore some of the darkness and stuff with that. And and actually, now that I think about Norman Osborn got pretty close, right? He was the head of AIM or oh. Shield or something. Did, I don't even remember if he got yeah. the president, but he was up way in the political. Yeah, state. yeah, he became head of Shield, and then I think for a while, a little bit, they made him defense secretary or something, something like that. Okay, so the, it's it's not an yeah. incredibly new thing, but I do think it's kind of motivated by a, a post-Trump era as Zdarsky's been doing it. And I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think as a tie-in with Devil's Reign and Daredevil, it's it's pretty cool. It was around the same time as No Man's Land is when Lex was president. Oh. So was that 90s? Super late 90s or early 2000s, just oh, like you said. I don't know why I tried to second guess you. No, never. You don't know. No, no. You, you always should. No, 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 no. Yeah, I just make, I, I make shit up. I want to live in the world <laughs> that you make up. It was because of No Man's Land. The previous administration had handled the disaster poorly, and Luther's financial intervention exposed the failings of his predecessors. Interesting. Oh, Obama some, and Bush. We got wow. some kind of interesting yeah. stuff with Luther and Batman and this week's Batman as well. Um, so what were your scores for that? And then I want to kind of carry oh. it into a, over a next conversation we didn't advertise about Devil's Reign Superior 4 that I want to have with Roman. Ah. Seven and a half for me. 
Yeah, I, I wrote down a seven and a half slash eight because I couldn't decide, but yeah, nice. probably seven and a half. Well, it's sort of tied into the Devil Rain stuff. Um, Zach Thompson and David David Tinto did Superior Devil's Rain Superior Four, and this is coming out right of the conversation that Jane or sorry Roman and I had last week when we were talking about the issue of Devil's Rain that had come out. Maybe that was two weeks ago, but the final page reveal was Doctor Octopus using the Reed Richards gate in the Baxter building to open up to this kind of ambiguous shot of several other heroes that all had four arms on the back. And we get insight into what Otto Artavius is doing here, which is he's using the Reed Richards gate with this sort of superior four, which is like the bad, like the superior Spider-Man kind of reference to the fantastic four when it was Hulk and Ghost Rider and Wolverine. And who was the fourth member Roman? Oh man. Who was the fourth member? I think it was she Hulk. Did, did you say Ghost, Ghost Rider? Rider? Yeah, Ghost Rider, Hulk, Wolverine. Wolverine, Hulk. Was it and... not She-Hulk? It was male Hulk. Okay. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It, was it Spider-Man? Yes. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So By Art Adams. I yeah, set those yeah, issues aside. Every time oh. they come in, I'm like, these have to be worth a bunch of money, and they never are. Yeah. <laughs> that is surprising. Um, this is, I don't think, very good, but I just wanted to follow up <laughs> with kind of the questions that we posed. And it is basically Otto Octavius in this miniseries is going around from multiversal reality to kind of realize that much like Reed, there is always a Dr. O there's an Otto Octavius. There's an Octavius of some type in every reality. And we see, you know, the Wolverine Octavius or Otto Vengeance or, but ultimately what he's doing is he's going to these places, finding the Otto and sucking their intelligence into himself and killing them and then leaving and going to the next reality. Is that right? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that's right. Cause yeah, it wasn't very good. But yeah, I think that's the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, not great. It you know it it's it smells strongly of your general three to four issue miniseries that comes out with the banner name of some sort of event crossover that's happening. Devil's mm -hmm. Reign's coming out. I think we're pretty vocally very into that series. It seeded this, and so it made enough interest in me that I wanted to check out what they're actually doing with it. And I think the idea is pretty great, but I don't think it's particularly well written. I don't think the art is fantastic. But it did have a pretty cool reveal at the end where one of these realities that Otto is going to um, has, you know, he finds a sort of a good Spider-Man Otto Octavius in one. He's got the Hulk Otto in a different one. The Ghost Rider who's got, instead of just chains flying everywhere, he's got four defined chains that are like his fucking, <laughs> you know, Otto things. But uh, he finds the Supreme Octopus, Roman. And do you remember who that is? It's... Dr. Doom and Otto and Dr. Strange all combined, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like Dr. Doom, Sorcerer Supreme, Octavius. And... That's Dr. Doctor, Doctor, give me the news. Yeah. Too many arms to love in you. And uh... that's my favorite Django joke in weeks. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of loop back in on that conversation Roman and I had had. And I was curious what you thought about it. I didn't love it. It was a little bit kind of like, at some point, I found myself reading words to get to the end of it, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm a sucker I, for the read gate. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of uh, close but no cigar in this issue for me. Well, because, well said, well said. Because, yeah, there's all this scientific mumbo jumbo they're talking about, and I wanted some more. Like that one point they show they're on one of the Earths, and apparently this Earth, climate change has been reversed because there's just jungle everywhere. They're in New York. 
apparently, but it's covered in trees and, and foliage and everything. And the Hulk mentions it's auto Hulk mentions it's uh, about the level of decarbonization is impressive. And I was like, oh, well, that's a cool idea. Let's see some, hear some more about that, but no more about that. And the, and, and the art, it bothered me. It distracted me that there was each of these characters as an auto Octavius of a different earth combined with different superhero personalities. And like the Hulk in some panels, it looks like he has three extra arms, but no, he actually has four extra arms. But at one point, all of them are walking through the city and they're all doing it Dr. Octopus style where his, he's elevated in the air by his arms. And the Hulk is too. So it's like, but you only see three arms. So you're absolutely it's missing an right. arm. Plus I'm like, well, so does Hulk's arms, they're not mechanical. So do his arms stretch? It has to he... be a mutation <laughs> because he's straight up yeah. drawn with no extra arms at times, just two extra arms at times and yeah. drawn with four extra arms at times. Yeah. And I, and yeah, little mistakes like that. Plus I just wanted to know, well, I wanted to see like Ghost Rider has those extra cha- four extra chains as his octopus arms. Well, let's see them in action other than mm-hmm. him walking on them. And same thing with Wolverine. He apparently has adamantium extra arms coming out of his back. Well, let's see him use them other than walking on them. What is he, Omega Red? Yeah. And, <laughs> and what I'll say is that, like, there's... I, what I love is scientific mumbo-jumbo that, like, Hickman and Morrison writes, and I can't quite place a finger on how this is clearly different, but it's lines like this. By waging war on ourselves, we'll entangle within the wave function of our collective existence. And there's, like, there's no follow-up for that or justification <laughs> for what that means. It doesn't sound like it makes sense. You've not mentioned a wave function in here. Like, no. You're, like, you know, some people I feel like are smart enough to be tapping into some truths about technology. And some people are just like, I'm just going to toss some words in here. Yeah. And due to the conservation of momentum with one strike, our fates will be intertwined with every auto variant in the universe. Like due to conservation of momentum. No, like what you're not. Come on. So yeah, anyway, right. Th- those are great examples. Cause yeah, it's like that line about entangle. Okay. So you're talking about quantum entanglement. Well, we'll expand on that a little bit. What the just, hell is the plan? <laughs> like you got to make me feel like, you know what you're talking about and they don't. And yeah. when I saw that this was a Thompson, I had hoped that it was Kelly Thompson and I immediately flipped to the credits <laughs> and saw that it was Zach Thompson, who I prefer much less. So I gave it a 6.5, not a terrible book, but I just wanted to, you know, let people know what we're reading, what's going on there. If you're curious about tie-ins, the necessity of them, I do think there's a kernel of a really interesting idea here. And I, I do think that by the end of it it'll probably have done some kind of cool stuff but i probably will be covered in devil's reign that's kind of zach thompson's thing like he he all of his image books felt like that to me also like i couldn't oh, think is, of anything else really he cool wrote ideas. he did uh eclipse okay which was like a crime book where it was too hot out outdoors for people to be outside but there's somebody who could run around outside and was did he do port people. of earth or was that matt he did port of earth also mm. yeah yeah, like Matt Matt Hawkins, but a little more on the Hickman side of Matt, Haw- Matt okay. Hawkins. Um. So anyway, I that that's that covers the main slate of books we've got here, my good friends. Do you want to do a little bit more or something? I'm hearing points. A little bit score from Roman. Oh, oh. sorry, Roman. Uh, and uh, Superior Four. Uh, yeah, six point five. Same as Jeff. Nice. I love when I have the same score as Roman because it makes me feel like I'm correct as opposed to talking out of my ass. I've got one of two things ready, Jeff. For a buckshot or do you want to just do you want to do a little spot? I, I got a buckshot and I, or I got a spot. I'm happy to do either. I think all of us should do a buckshot. I'm ready for a buckshot. Okay. But I, if you buckshot. want a little bit more time than a buckshot, I'm allow, I'll, I'll allow you that. I don't think 
I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I like, I, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that no, you got a minute and 30 seconds. Go. Oh shit. I was beat turning you to you a minute and 30 I seconds. Know, I beat you. King of spies. Number two, Mark Miller, Mateo Scalera. Uh, this was a great, great, great second issue to uh, a book that I really liked the beginning of. Um, it just throws us into this guy going around and killing the people who suck and who have power. It's got a great, exploded airplane falling out of it and and getting out of that gag and uh at, at the very end it's got just like i was telling these guys earlier it takes it from being fast and furious to uh being something more like transporter or uh crank to high voltage i also read what's that. the furthest place from here number three i might have forgotten to read number two i we have not talked about it so okay i i don't know if i read number two i really I liked didn't. this but it was super super weird kind of one part scooby-doo one part maybe cannibals um, Cool. And then the other thing that I read the first <laughs> of 12 chapters of is the complete life and times of Scrooge McDuck. I ordered oh, that. We got that in. Sweet. I know. We, it, people have been bringing it up over and over and over Lance around Baker. me, especially yeah, recently. That gets, and a, that's, it gets a 10, 12, 15. <laughs> it's wonderful. Just just the first chapter. He hasn't even made it to New Orleans yet. And I like this is what thing. happens when I get days off. I fucking Dude. oh I... <laughs> oh my time's up. Well, I guess I'll talk about the second chapter next week. <laughs> I did we get just one? We got two. Okay, good because I I wanted them to be for both of us. I like yeah. that was another thing on a very large order I did of since generally mm -hmm. kind of but I finally found a distributor that had that. So I'm so glad that came in. It's so far it's excellent and just flipping through it like I don't know I I don't know how you can barely flip through something and identify it as a cut above everything else okay. in its world but this is this is better is that don rosa it's don rosa okay. i didn't even i didn't even have to see the cutaway fire panel <laughs> to know that this was going to be super special I, i'm so glad that those are in our store right now lance baker thanks for hounding us about it they're finally here you don't have to bring your coffee in um, I, I literally think that the distributor had two copies and I ordered both of them. So um, good call. There's there's a, an intro in the beginning where Don Rose is talking about how um, just kind of the, the history of the reprints of this. And he said that I think America buys the least but prints the most. Interesting. Yeah. I got so excited by realizing that that had come in that you were reading. I just forgot to even look at my phone and have the timer held up and everything because I was so excited. That's so awesome. That's been like a laundry list thing for years. Like since the old store, we have had customers yeah. telling us that it's their favorite thing. So, And listen, now we get comics from books distributors. I know. And that's we, we get. Apparently, this is a book. Yeah, we couldn't get it from comics distributors. We had to get it from a book distributor. It's from wow. Fantagraphics. Wow. Yeah, we should have Come been on. able to get it. Come on, comic guys. It's yeah. it's it's so good. I've got the old like two volume soft cover, mm -hmm. and this is like a nice looking hard cover. It looks like it's a little bit um, wider, a little bit little more blown up than the soft mm -hmm. covers I have. Yeah, it's very cool. Super. You're good. just Jeff. holding it up, Django. I didn't even realize the width of it. It's much larger than I realized. Oh yeah, that is. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what I need in my life right now. I think it's magazine size. I think it's oh. it's eight and a half by eleven. But it's thick. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 big. It's 12, 12 volumes and I th or twelve stories, and I think each story is about the length of a comic. So it, it's you know. insane how excited we all are of seeing that. Lance Baker probably is feeling our <laughs> excitement, but like if you are 
thinking these guys that talk about Marvel, DC, and image books and violent shit are very excited with the life and times of Scrooge McDuck. It, it's because it like is a, I think I kind of a secret gem in the world of comics that everyone kind of, well, not everyone, but I think young people of my generation see like, oh, it's a duck book. I don't know. Um, uh, but I think it's a, I think it's like one of the more highly esteemed books I've ever heard of. Yeah. One, yeah. one chapter in it's more than a duck. Nice. Don Rose is regarded, regarded as second only to Carl Barks, the creator of Donald Duck as the best duck storyteller. And I've seen some Carl Barks. We get the, the issues in sometimes. I've never read an official Carl Barks duck book. Yeah. And I have to admit, I think personally, I mean, I like Don Rosa better. That's kind of what I was leading to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Carl Barks, of course, got to put it first because he created it all. But Sure. Bob Kane. Yeah. You know, a short little anecdote. A friend of mine, Nicole, she went to Emerald City Comic Con once specifically and only to meet Don Rosa. And, and she said he was so awkwardly charming and funny and enthusiastic and i don't know how old he was at the time like in his 60s but she said it was great it's her favorite emerald city comic-con memory ever <laughs> nice yeah uh i think i think we're gonna have something more in common with the heasons too jeff a minute and 30 seconds go um i'm just gonna talk we got two tom taylor books that came out this week one technically last week because dc books have been chronically delayed for us i'm sorry all of our listeners but we've got dark knight steel number three and dark ages number four i'm gonna start with dark ages number four tom taylor Ivan cabello um this is tom taylor's kind of deceased alt world elseworlds thing in the marvel universe i'm incredibly excited every time tom taylor does an elseworld type thing because deceased is such a strong book and it's had book after book and they've all been amazing and i love it and that's what made me fall in love with his writing i've been excited about this series the whole time it's just strange him in marvel it just doesn't quite click as much for me it could be that the art's not incredibly strong in this but it's a lot of characters doing a lot of things that don't super aren't super interesting you know deceased was great but like every issue there would be one amazing thing that would happen that would blow your mind and those just haven't really been present and i think i even kind of consider myself more of a marvel head than a dc head so this should be real good to me but it's not quite as good dark knights of steel number three is much better it's much more tom taylor in line with all of that stuff um people dying and what i really realized is that he's oh dude he's doing game of thrones in the dc universe he's created mm -hmm. houses and families that are having this large war there's political affiliations and uh betrayals and life things and all of that is uh really well done it's beautiful and it's such a great pitch he's so intelligent now i've got to let my cat out of my room that was pretty good go. buddy thanks did i actually spend a whole minute on dark ages yeah you did that's crazy <laughs> i I thought Dark Ages was pretty good. It's pretty good. It's I just think... that Dark Knights of Steel and Deceased, I think, are like great. And this is yeah. just like pretty good. For me, I like this issue of Dark Ages more than I like this week's issue of Dark Knights of Steel. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I think we're exactly reversed on that. Yeah. I, I did. did you did you catch the maybe censorship, maybe artistic choice where Supergirl punches a hole through a dude and the sound effect covers up the, the blood and guts. No, I didn't. It's, that. it's interesting. Uh, and, and looking at the other sound effects, they're also interacting with the art. So it might be something that they, they did as a stylistic choice. Yeah. A piece of wood is thrown through someone's stomach and it says shunk right over where the wood goes through their stomach. Isn't it her hand? Um, the panel I'm looking at is a piece of wood. Oh, okay. Oh, she takes a piece of wood and is standing behind him and skewers it into him. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, they're all good. But yeah. this this particular, 
week, those two switched places for me. Nice. Yeah. Um, for me, there's the weakest issue of Dark Ages. I'm going to give, what did I do? I gave that one a 6.5 and Dark Knights of Steel, I gave an 8.0. Nice. Roman, my man. Ro, Ro, he flows with the ocean and now he's got 90 seconds. I'm about to start it on three. One, two, he three. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my Roman. Um, <laughs> I don't have a copy in front of me, but Savages Avengers 28 is the final issue of that series. Oh, no! Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was great. I mean, somehow it it ends up with a confrontation between Conan and Kang, of all people, because now he's gotten involved in that title. Um, and it was cool. It returns Conan to his own time, but for good, we don't know. And it was awesome. I gave it a nine. Um, I want to mention Savage Dragon number 261 by Eric Larson and Eric Larson and, you know, a couple guys coloring, hmm. which was a, another, it's just the, the usual Savage Dragon stuff, fun, kind of naughty, but it starts off with the Savage Dragon universe's man shark character, Mako, killing people because he's so pissed off because everybody, when they see him now, thinks, oh, it's the guy from the Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm not a CGI funny wimp shark. I'm a killer. <laughs> And plus, Eric Larson, he does have Savage Dragon and a character have a discussion about uh, masking and getting vaccinated and why it's a smart thing to do. Because the other character is, you know, their partner is intubated in the hospital, but they never got vaccinated and they still don't understand why they should do it. So that was cool. Uh, Maniac of New York, the, the Bronx is burning. Number two, good slasher comic. I went and saw Scream today. Oh, Scream. Good. Yeah, the new screen boom. Um, Django, I just want to go back really quickly to the thing. Django and I both found instances in that issue of Darkness of Steel where somebody skewers somebody with either a fist or a piece of wood. And Supergirl skewers somebody. Yeah, and a sound effect totally obscures any blood or the weapon coming out of the person's body. So I do agree. I have to. I have to think that that might be a censorship thing. Sorry, this is Roman. this is classic well, yeah. Django and Jeff argument. No, Not you're wrong. Argument. No, you're wrong. Oh wait. We're both, both right. of us are right. <laughs> well, you know they don't they they don't want to violate the comics code. That's true. Yeah, just slap a <laughs> slack, slap a black label on there. Yeah, <laughs> is Dark Knight still black label? No, it's it's not. It's basically what they would have called Elseworlds. So yeah, uh, Roman. Yes. Hello. Do you have scores for your? Oh my gosh, um, Savage Avengers twenty eight. I gave a nine uh savage dragon i gave a well only a 7.5 i mean it's fun but it wasn't as quite as great as his usual usual issues maniac of new york i gave also a seven point no wait i misread a line i i gave that oh i did give it a 7.5 i had a lot of 7.5s this week uh i realized i didn't give mine what's the furthest place from here uh seven and three quarters king of spies i'm gonna give a nine and uh scrooge mcduck so far is gonna be a 10 nice that's so good. So good. Oh, I'm so glad those are in. Uh, honorable mention to Righteous Thirst for Vengeance number three. I oh, love that. Yeah. Some of the most gorgeous art in a comic book this week in my mind. So, well, that's our comics discussion for the week. We don't have any further emails. We got a wonderful bit of feedback from Rob Scafidio. We're going to try and make a very clear locale in our store to be displaying the books that have been talked about on the podcast each week. 
Uh, we're kind of change. We're attempting to change the day that we're recording the podcast. We've been doing it a little behind the scenes, a little parting of the kimono. We've been doing it on Saturdays since the pandemic started. Since we haven't really need to be in the store to on anyway, uh, we're gonna try and go back to doing it on Thursdays like we used to. So uh, it's gonna change the flow of things a little bit, but it should be allow for those things to be a little bit more clear in our store at an earlier time. So do look for that. And if in a week or a week and a half that hasn't happened. Uh, you know, say something passive aggressive to Django and I, because uh, yeah. we probably forgot. Uh, you but know, thank you, Rob, for the feedback. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. super cool idea. It was a great idea. A super sweet email. Um, I think that uh, Andrew can probably do this. We should have said this at the top of the show because we have, I mean, hundreds probably of listeners who aren't shoppers at our store, like international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Korean, like the the Korean market, South and North Korea is where blew me away. That. Yeah, blew me away. Um. But people should know that the DC books we talked about on this week's podcast are actually last week's DC books. And yes. that is just a wow. mechanic of FedEx. While we really like our local FedEx delivery guy mm -hmm. as uh, on the whole, something right on his whole. something in FedEx, something at FedEx will not hold. And I think that it's the center will not mm -hmm. hold at FedEx mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. our books mm -hmm. are a week late from DC every week since Christmas. Mm -hmm. They made it to Seattle and it looked like we were going to get our books on time this week, but then they went to Tacoma and they've been there since, well, they've been there for five days. Um, and for, for, for the Koreans in the crowd, the people who live in Korea who may not have the Washington state geography, uh, that's exactly the opposite direction of They us. were getting closer to us and then they went south and have been staying there. So everything's um, going south. FedEx, we love you. Do better. And all of our mm -hmm. subscribers, our personal store shoppers are listening to this. God, I want to be able to read DC books on the day they're here as well. And <laughs> your patience and support on that means more to us than you know. And we hope that the issue will be resolved sooner than later. But we are literally powerless. And, and but, but it doesn't also, even seem to be related to weather. Also, Dante, our driver, driver, our delivery guy, is one of my favorite delivery people that we've ever had. He he lets us text him all the time for updates. <laughs> he checks he checks in with me before he leaves the station to find out where to deliver. I hope this doesn't get him in trouble. No, because I think the, the the president of FedEx is a is a listener of the show too. Yes, he's he's in Istanbul, actually. And he, he yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, he specifically fan, but... asked us to stop calling it Romans, yeah. Roman, R yeah. R Romans, Roman, like the Roman Ruminants. show, but but Romanins, the four, the four tummied beast, in which you, dear listener, are the fourth tummy and a beast. Um, yeah. until that Owl guy gets beast. us our comics on time, uh, you know, it's make mine Marvel, make mine's Roman. Romans. Romans, DC on time. Send an email to FedEx. You can also send us an email at Jeff at the You've heard that before. Last week, we got a new email from a Justin Prouse that we love anybody. Yes. And then we got a Rob's video email this week with feedback. So we love it. We love feedback. We love encouragement. We love criticism. Uh, Django likes criticism more than I do. It actually kind of destroys me. But um, yeah, yeah, just direct all your criticism at Django. Uh, not that it has to be a criticism of him it can no, be a no. criticism of me but let it be yeah. filtered through Django going <laughs> whisper it in my ear um, but I'll we translate adore you it all. to Jeff thanks for listening to Romans Ruminants number three and uh, we will see you all week next next week for Romans Ruminants number four. Oh, the uh, it's stomach. the fourth stomach baby it's the fourth stomach okay and we might consider a new season after that but here's the thing it's yeah. the fourth stomach you dear listener if you've are. somehow made it to this very tail end, you are the fourth stomach. We 
have to hear from you. If yes. we can get, if we can get yes. 15 people to email yes. us, we'll do an all email episode. And we love that. <laughs> we would love a fourth stomach episode for our ruminant listeners. So and, and, get and, us those yeah. thoughts. Yeah. It also will remind us that there's people out there listening. And that's great too. There's, there's, uh, there's fives of them probably. Five of, <laughs> fives of them in the U.S. and then hundreds overseas, which doesn't it's make sense. Super weird. So all yeah. of our North and Koreans, uh, North and South Koreans, uh, please continue listening. Thank you, sending us those emails, and I will get a Google app translation. I at think some it's point. animal husbandry graduates that are listening now, oh, ruminant no. fans. Yeah, I get it. Oh, I um, it. Hey, as everyone. Mm knows already <laughs> i'm jeff i'm so glad to got to hang out here with two of my best friends to talk about comics and i uh, can't wait to hear roman's thoughts on appalachian delivery service mm, i can't i can't wait to have thoughts on it i'm roman and i will have thoughts next week i'll have ruminations i'm Django, and season five is gonna be jeff figley's thoughts on top of thoughts for y'all see you there <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>